0: I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. This week's special guest is a friend of mine named Spencer Parker. I first met Spencer through Matt Edwards, better known as Radio Slave, around eight years ago. Uh, We share the common connection that we've both released on Matt's label called Records. And since he released his debut record on there about ten years ago, he's been a mainstay at the label. Over time, he's also released on other labels, including an album for Nick Finchley's Saved Records, Uh, but that was about five years ago now, and his most recent success has been in his own new label called Work Them Records. Despite being only three years old, Work Them has went on to quickly become a very credible, established label for both house and techno DJs alike. Uh, He's got this really nice thing going on where he's managed to... Includes some established names such as Radio Slave, Rod Hod, and himself. And also paired with other more recent uh, newer names such as Anetha and Satoic Mass. On top of being a record label owner and a producer, he's traveling every weekend across Europe and North America to DJ at various venues, spreading his mixture of house and techno across really credible clubs such as Concrete, Homopathic, and Panorama Bar. And, uh, what we're going to do today is get to hear about all of that stuff I just talked about and find out what kind of guy Spencer really is. I really enjoyed this interview and I hope you do too. Before I get to the interview, I just want to, uh, respond to a couple of people on the air here about some emails and messages I've been getting. One guy wrote in, told me that he used to be a promoter back in the day and, for one reason or another, stopped promoting, but since he started listening to the show again, it's given him some inspiration to get back into it. I was really happy to read that. Um, I hope that it works out. I hope you don't lose your ass with promoting, and uh, I hope if the events go well, it continues to inspire other people down the line. A couple other more popular questions that seem to come up into my mailboxes regularly is... um, People are wondering if there's going to be a podcast focused solely on gear or studio talk. Um, I definitely see that happening at some point in the future. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when it'll happen, but uh, it seems completely likely. Uh, A lot of people are also wondering if I'm going to be having females on the show. That's definitely going to happen. Just not sure when yet, but it's in the works. And, of course, as always, people are wondering when the next drunk cast is happening. I'm not really sure. Uh, If it were up to me, everyone would be a drunk cast. But the thing is, is getting guests to come on the show is tough enough because, you know, you have to open up and, uh, you know, everybody can hear what you have to say. And if you say the wrong thing, it could potentially end your career, blah, blah, blah. So people are kind of shy to begin with. So convincing them to drink on there is even more difficult because, you know, loose lips and all that shit. And uh, the hardest part is a lot of these interviews are done at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. Unless these people are alcoholics, they generally don't even want to drink at that time of day. I can't blame them, but I would say it would make for a much better podcast. Anyway... I hope you guys enjoy the uh, interview, and if you have any other questions or comments, please send them in. Have a good one. Say hello, Spencer. Hello, Spencer. All right. Um, so we're going to get into a couple of topics today, but first I want to give a little um, introduction to who Spencer is. Right. He's a guy that uh, – would you say that you – it was house – since you first started, or like, did you kind of find your way into house music? No, I've
1: always, s- I've always started. I mean, I kind of consider myself a house DJ, which is, you know, I know like techno is the big cool thing, you know, and everyone's. I see a lot of people saying I'm a techno DJ, and I've always. Well, consider- you are now,
0: though. That's well, where no, it I on,
1: mean, but- I've just, I've always considered my ha- myself a house DJ. I think if you're a good house DJ, then you can play disco, you can play house, you can play techno. You know, the people I like a lot of DJs like uh Harvey and the Body and Soul guys Definitely. and stuff like that and I'm also a big fan of people like for like more m- modern sort of names uh people like say Ryan Elliot or Radio Slave big time and I like those I like those sort of DJs that you know that in my mind You know, Ryan Elliott can easily play in Berghain or, say, Dude Club in Milan or Concrete in Paris.
0: Definitely. And he can
1: easily play techno, and he can also easily play house. And someone like Matt, um, Radio Slave, I'm biased because he's a good friend of mine, but I've heard him play entire sets of disco, which have been phenomenal. I'm a big fan of Boris, who's the the resident of Berghain, who's a phenomenal DJ on all counts. And if you... You know, if you give someone like Boris a four hour set uh, in a club, you know, he, you know, often he plays techno, but, you know, he can also weave between house and disco and techno. So I've always, you know, since I started DJ and I've always, I've always played house and I've always, you know, since I moved to Berlin, I've been exposed to a lot more techno. So I think it's quite natural, you know, according sure. to your environment um, that I've, you know, kind of got a little bit more into techno Um, and disco also from going to parties, you know, like this, like a cocktail de more and from hearing people like Boris or Mr. Ties or Akira Hawks. Um, I've always been a fan of disco, but um, I'm probably got into that a little bit more since I moved here. But yeah, for me, I, you know, that's just my definition, but I think if you're a good house DJ, you can play techno, you can play disco and you can play house, maybe all in the same set or maybe separately.
0: Well, I would say definitely that, some of my favorite house DJs are able to span span those genres, and actually, it's the same to be said for techno. I just I just appreciate DJs that can kind of go all over. Yeah, exactly. Laurent you know, Garnier, Carl Craig. I mean, Carl maybe doesn't go off the deep end so much these days, but he's got.
1: Yeah. if you know Carl. You know he's he can got do the heritage, everything yeah.
0: And,
1: yeah, And you know, even people, you know, even people like, I uh, say Marcel Detman or Ben Clock, or you know, that are considered like techno DJs you know, they'll often play like an old dance mania record or surprise you with something like that. So yeah, I mean, I like, I like to go across all different things. If I get the chance to do it all in one set, then that's cool. And then other times, if I'm playing, uh, if I'm playing in homeopathic, there's a techno room in, there's a techno room in homeopathic. So I'm not going to play techno. Um, so I play more house and disco. (laughs) If I play somewhere like a ribbon club in Italy, um, the last time I played there, the previous guest was Marcel Detman. So I'm going to play techno because that's obviously what they're after on that night. And I played a place in, played a couple of months ago in Madrid. And the previous guests at the club had been like Adriana Lopez and Saik and Jonas Kopp, all these great techno DJs. So obviously that night I only play techno. I don't really go start digging into sure. my disco
0: collection. No, you don't want to go too far <laughs> the other direction. Yeah. People crying on the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> um, the other thing is, that I was going to ask you about that because you were talking about, um, you know, kind of where you, you like to play a set where you can kind of go all over the place, yeah. as do I. Is there, do you have like, um, like a like? what's your idea of like your perfect crowd or time of the night? Like where do you feel most comfortable at? Maybe um, it's a venue or a specific yeah, I don't idea. Know.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some great, obviously there's some great venues around the world. I've been really lucky to play you know i'm really lucky to play somewhere you know like panorama bar or maybe you know for house and disco or bergheim or homopathic in berlin mm-hmm. or dance tunnel in london or um or you know i'm trying to think of other concrete in paris but,
0: so all those places put together what would you say like what's the environment that uh maybe you're trying to create or like what kind of crowd is it like for me for example i can i can play a festival crowd I can do all that and some things I'm not so like I don't really think I'm a great festival DJ by any means mm. but I think kind of where I shine personally is like late night end of the night when everybody's like completely wrecked and <laughs> they, they're not gonna judge me because they don't know better <laughs> but like I, I like to play deeper so I sure. can really get in the zone and even sure. my friends when they see me they're like you're comfortable you're at home like, yeah, yeah. and you have total control over it. Like for you, or are you like, do you feel like you're a peak time kind of guy? Um,
1: or? I don't know. I can, t- I tend to get asked. I tend to get asked to do quite a lot of closing slots. Like when I, when I play, I mean, I don't really have a, a residency as such. So everywhere I go is, is kind of different. But if I get asked quite a lot of the time, like if I play in concrete quite a few times, I've done the closing mm-hmm. and, um, if i
0: play in how long a, does a concrete closing set go like i did a concrete closing back-to-back with peregrinvik but ah. it was uh yeah it was only like a few hours i don't yeah
1: know. i think it depends i've played there i've kind of played there a few different times i've played there on a saturday um i did a work them records party uh for my label with like me and answer code request and sven von Tulen and uh anti and bezad and amaru and that was a friday so that was kind of different and then I've done, I've played on a Sunday. I don't think I've done a closing on a Sunday. But um, yeah, I've, a lot of places that I play, uh, quite a few times I get asked to do the closing. I kind of like that because it's, you know, you get you get a little bit of everything. You get like the kind of, you get a couple of hours of peak time and then you get the, you know, you get the people that are like hardcore and stay till the end. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. And I kind of like the thing, I kind of, I like to do things that are like, that are a bit of a challenge. And for me, the closing, doing the closing set of a club is quite a bit of a challenge because, uh, if you're lucky enough to do it in somewhere like Berlin, then there's, you know, I've done it two or three times, three times actually in Panorama bar. And the funny thing in Panorama bar is, you know, you know, you're going to play a certain amount of time, but then you like, you look at the night manager and you're like, okay, so what time do you finish? and they're like oh yeah just keep going you're like okay cool but just so i've got an idea yeah. what time do you finish i oh, just 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 keep going i'll come and see you in a couple hours oh, okay cool so you keep going and then you're like okay i'm gonna get okay let me guide myself guide it towards the end now I take it down a little bit they're we're probably gonna shut and he's like no it's still really busy keep going another couple of hours like, oh shit okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> i've already played all my closing yeah. tracks
1: <laughs> yeah well not quite that bad but you know you're kind of like ebb and flow a little bit and i don't like to like if I'm doing a closing set, tear it out right till the end. But something like that in Panorama bar is a really good challenge because the times I did, it was, um, you know, at the moment, Bergheim tends to close later, but when I did it, um, Panorama bar would always be the last floor to close. So you'd play. And like I said, you'd kind of be like, okay, let's send everyone out on a, like a, quite a nice, happy atmosphere and then Bergheim would close and like another two or 300 people would come and you're like, okay, keep going. Okay. Another three hours. <laughs> so it's quite, it's quite a nice challenge. And even not just there, even like other clubs around the world, sometimes, some of them have open hours and some of them have like a, a you know, you have to finish at 8am, but I think it's quite a nice challenge because, you know, you've got to I kind of want to send people home with like a a nice atmosphere and a nice vibe and It's quite a challenge to do that without just playing loads of hits and without, like, just doing, like, 10 end-of-the-night tracks, 10 classics in a row. And um, it's not an easy thing to do, but I kind of quite like the challenge of doing it. And like I said, you normally begin... You begin and get a little... You know, at the start of your set, you get a bit of the peak time. And then the the people that are still there really want to stay there. And like you said, it gets a bit trippy and people are a little bit tired or drunk or whatever, so...
0: I think, um, you know, after you kind of get your rocks off on the peak time stuff, the um, the kind of the hype of the evening and everything, it kind of wears down and the party goes into this kind of cruise control mode. Yeah, where it's definitely, very relaxed. Definitely. And, like, as, as long as you're not terrible, um, <laughs> nobody's going to leave. I mean, it's the true dancers and, like, the yeah. freaks and the wasteoids that are left. Yeah, true. But and, it,
1: yeah, but there's two sides to that coin because sometimes it's – it's a fine line you you can that's why i mean it's quite a good challenge because you can play you can play one or two records that don't go over or one or two records that are slightly misjudged and uh and then you lose 20 people like 20 people look at their watch and go okay we're we're, we're out we're so tired so i <laughs> just it's a spin, good challenge you know
0: i just spin that around and i call that the Dustin on sound <laughs> clear him out Zahn. yeah exactly <laughs> um but like so you know preparing for a longer set like Mm. let's say if you're doing a panorama bar closing which can be upwards of eight or nine hours yeah um i mean it's kind of you can't say like what goes through your mind at that point because you're going to go through all the motions of a party over a course of eight or nine hours as far as planning for something like that do you like do you have a kind of a workflow that you Yeah, I kind share? of
1: have like a little, I kind of have like a little plan in my head. Obviously, you know, there's a few, there's a few things, you know, you know, you know, you know what time you begin, you know what time potentially you're going to end. It's, you know, it's not going to be nine hours after you think it'll be two or three or four or five yeah. maximum. So you can kind of have a little plan, but I think it's, that's what I mean. It's, that's what is, it's quite a, it's quite a challenge and it's quite good if you've got a if you've got a breadth of musical of musical knowledge you can call on that and you can maybe play an old chicago record that's not exactly a classic but there's something that people might recognize and latch on to if you're clever you can play something like maybe a little disco record but not overtly super underground disco that people won't comprehend but you know like maybe a small melody that someone might recognize or so yeah i think when you when you do those sort of sets you can kind of you can prepare to an a certain extent but i kind of i have a little bit of a plan in my head and then it normally kind of just goes goes out the window because you just take it as it comes and you look at your watch and it's like oh shit i got half an hour left so
0: that's just it you know like sometimes you you It could even be an hour and a half set, but you walk in with an idea of what you're going to play, and it's totally... Like last weekend, I thought I was just going to put the hammer down and and just (laughs) go after it, and I really never hammered it at all. Like I mean, I kept it steady, but uh, in fact, I ended up just playing like half hour, hour of house in the end, which was the last thing I ever plan to play at that party i don't know if, i don't even know that it was necessarily a good idea but it's what i wanted to hear at the time so
1: yeah i'm kind of i i'm kind of quite strict with myself if i'm if i'm guessing somewhere and it's not an overtly techno night um or it's not a night that's you know where they say you know we're, yeah. we like techno but you know don't uh, don't go crazy with the techno if i've got like completely free reign i kind of have a little bit of a plan in my head I mean, I don't map it out exactly, but I have a little bit of a plan because I have I think sometimes it's, um, if you take your eye off the ball a little bit, you can sometimes lead yourself down an avenue. Like there's been times sometimes, because I try to play a little bit of house, a little bit of disco, a little bit of techno. Sometimes I start playing house and then after half an hour, I start playing disco. And then I look at my watch and I finish in 20 minutes. I'm like, shit, I really wanted to play some, Techno, so I kind of have like a little, a little vague idea in my head, but that just—I think that's just to to make me feel comfortable. Sometimes it goes out the window, but I, I, I end up getting it all in there somehow. I don't know how, but <laughs> as,
0: long, as long as you feel like you found the, that kind of comfort at the end of the night, we're like, okay, yeah, I've, I've told the people this is who I am. Or, yeah, that's what, what I mean. I it's just,
1: share. yeah, I just want to try and, uh you know, I'm a big fan of, like I said, all those genres. So, um. If possible, I'd, you know, the challenge for me when I begin is, you know, I want to play some disco records, I want to play some house records, I want to play some techno records. And I I want them, the challenge for me is always to do that and make it fit together. Because yeah. I don't think there's, my favorite DJs that I admire are always able to do that. And I don't think it's a very easy thing to do. It, it's not. So, and I,
0: I think it's something that takes a lot of, not just practice as a DJ, but experience like, honestly going out to parties whether you're yeah. sober or you're incredibly fucked up or something <laughs> like just having that experience of knowing what the right record is at the right time you know that's kind of what made people like you know ricardo so special for yeah. example like the ability to go from like uh you know a really vocalish house track to uh old techno rave classic to yeah. something minimal and uh I think that's kind of lost these days because a lot of people, they will position themselves in this one narrow-minded view. Like, everybody's a specialist now. Yeah. You know, like, oh, that guy, he only plays that kind of lies record sound. Or yeah. he he's into uh, that Berghain quote-unquote, which yeah. could be anything dark, supposedly. <laughs> or, like, you know, there's a lot of people who think they're house DJs these days, but I got news for you. Somebody like hot since 82, that's not house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nothing against them, but like a lot of people sure. are uh, focused on something and they don't really know. Yeah, that, well, that's the, the, the bigger thing. Picture. I mean,
1: everyone's de- everyone's definition is different, isn't it? My, You know, we could say, you know, we like techno, like so-and-so, and then someone else will go that's not Tecmo. And I'd say I I like house like that. And they go, that's not even house. That's X, Y, Z. So I know, I think, I think you're completely right. Nowadays, everyone, everyone is, uh, puts themselves into, into a certain box, which I think in, in a way is kind of intelligent. You know, if you, it's much easier to like, uh, you know, to move forward in this business. If, if you book, for example, you know, if you book Ron Morelli, you, you pretty much, you know, exactly. he represents that record label. You pretty much know what you're going to get. If you book someone like, um, I'm trying to think of like, even like say Marcel or Ben or Rod had, you well, know. Well, Marcel, you never know what you're going to get these true, days. Yeah, I mean, but they move, you know, they move around those parameters, but sure. a, a sense, you know, basically they're like really great techno DJs. You know, you're going to hear that. They're not going to go into like DD Bridgewater halfway through the night. Yeah. So I think sometimes I kind of, I kind of worry that I make a bit of a rod, a rod for my own back sometimes, because Me maybe too, I don't get booked at, at this certain club because they they might think that I'll go into a disco record halfway through. But it's just that's just what I like to do, and that's just myself, you know. So I can't really do much about it. I think it's good to be able to to play across the board. And I, I feel the same. A way. A few people, I'm still here, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> it must be
0: okay, I guess. I've, I've definitely closed. Uh, some doors for myself by choosing to play maybe a wider range of things because people are a little afraid like some clubs are gonna say oh he's gonna bang it too hard and other clubs are like yeah he's gonna do that kind of clubby techno shit you know what i mean like it's uh you you can't please everybody but listen i as i guess if i'm gonna not have a day job and do it how i want to do it then this is the way it has to be because if i have to start conforming then I'm, I might as well just get yeah. a day job again you know and- yeah
1: I mean I've always I have al- I mean you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't exactly you know? and I've always been I've always been like quite militant about you know what I what I will and won't do I, I got asked a question in an interview I can't remember it's quite recently and I just said there's no records there's not one record in my bag or on my USB stick if you want to speak about it <laughs> speak yeah. like that but there's not one record that that there's certain records at the moment that are the big records or that have been the big records of the summer or that have been the big records that a certain DJ played on YouTube and everyone went out and bought that record and it was really huge. And I I know that I could buy that record and I know that I could play it at a certain time. Everyone would go crazy because it's a huge record and loads of people love it. But for me personally, if I hate it, I'll never play it. It would be very easy to like you know, at one point go, right, if I really want to make him go crazy, I could play that. But I fucking hate that record. So I'm not, and I've never done that. And I've never done that up till now. And I think some, some people, you know, some people do, or some people, you know, you speak to some people, and they'll say, Yeah, you know, I fucking, I'm not, I hate that record, but you know, it's a big record. But it goes like, yeah, back to time. You're like, oh. Yeah, that, exactly. And sometimes it's funny when people are like, Oh, I saw this, I saw this clip of so and so. I was going crazy. Well, yeah, because you were playing, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were playing XYZ, what, whatever yeah. the hit was. Everyone's going crazy. Yeah, of course they were going crazy because you play. <laughs> well, I've had but,
0: it where, I mean, I'm sure you've had it as well, a lot of DJs do where, you get a record or a promo or whatever and you genuinely like the track mm. but you're like this you're sort of not completely comfortable with it, the mm. vibe because it's maybe not exactly what you play or whatever but you're sure. like fuck it I'm gonna give it a shot anyway and then you get out to a gig and you play it and you dig it it's not that you're playing a record you don't like but you just still feel really uncomfortable like It's one of those records that you want to hear somebody else play, but you don't want to play (laughs) yourself. Do you you know what I'm talking about? I
1: mean, kind of a little bit, but I'm really really like this anti, I'm very like anti this like guilty pleasure sort of thing. I've, you know, I really, last year I was playing uh, Black Box Ride on time and I was playing that record all the time because it's just like for me, you know, obviously it became a massive pop hit, but I just think that's a really great example of like late 80s, early 90s, like trashy Italian house music. Mm-hmm. And I'm, there was loads of records that came out around that time, you know, from Italy, from Rimini and Riccioni, just like big piano belters. And um, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to start playing that record because for me, it's just a great record. A lot of people recognize it. I try and do something a little bit different when I play it. I, you know, the sample is from Let No Man Put Asunder. So I play the acapella of that over something else beforehand to just kind of air, yeah, get people's heads around the idea of that and i'm kind of you know i'm kind of just against this guilty pleasure thing i was like if i like it then i'm i'm going to play it you know
0: well but i mean i guess it, for me i'm not saying it was a guilty pleasure but just more like you know for example uh, what do you mean like you wouldn't be you like it but you're not example? sure about it or like let's let's say for example take someone like uh, ben sims he does that kind of mm. like hard groove like tribally yeah, bang yeah. and stuff I used to play that stuff all the time when I was in, like, my early 20s and mm. a te- teenager and stuff. Right now, I'm not really playing that kind of thing. Sure. But those are the – like, if I want to hear that music, I want to hear him play it. Right. Or, right. you know, like, if I'm going to go to uh, Berghain and I'm going to listen to uh, – maybe there's some records that I just want to hear, like, Marcel or Ben right. player You know what I mean? Like – stuff that you're not really into you like,
1: like it but it's, yeah I kind of see what you mean I don't want to I
0: don't want to play drum and bass anymore but sometimes I want to hear Ed, Ed else. Ops, yeah, 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 yeah you know
1: yeah I kind of I kind of know what you mean I mean I love I, I really love those records those old Ben Sims ones mm-hmm. like the Killer Byte records and yeah. the, remember, who, there there's uh, like the same sort of era those user records yeah remember exactly is that, that him I don't know if that was well, him as well that's a whole <laughs> argument, but um, that's a whole other podcast exactly Ben Sims's aliases
0: but um, or for example like Oracy yeah uh, yeah, like when I, when I hear him play his house set, uh, those are the kind of records... Well, some of them I have, but sure. honestly, though, that's more leaning towards the side of house that I'm personally never going to play, but I really enjoy hearing it when oh, I'm Oh, okay. I get what you mean. You know what like, I'm you, saying? It's nice to hear and someone you, else you play. And try it. some of those tracks once while, you're like, okay, right. It doesn't fit into how I play it, but I love hearing right, okay. other people...
1: Yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean.
0: You know, you know who's also good for that is uh, Matt Edwards sometimes, mm. you know, like... Tracks that I I wouldn't have pulled out, but like somehow I'm he he makes it. Yeah, he's good at that. He's good at that. You'll be so. he'll be
1: like I listened to that last week. I didn't think it was that great. Mm-hmm. I always ask him. I was like, what's that record? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I listened to it. I didn't didn't sound so good when I listened to it. So he's very good at that.
0: Yeah, props. <laughs> let's uh let's switch it up from DJ talk for a bit here. Um, let's talk about you as a producer and label manager at the moment. First off, you had an album about what five years ago now, yeah, I roughly. I'm so. yeah, something like that. Nick Fanciulli's label. Yes, yes. Um, that kind of went all over the place, like like a nightwood, you know, building it up and ending it like on the yeah. That the was the, that was the
1: idea. My idea. I mean, I I like producing. I enjoy it. I consider myself kind of like learning as a producer and kind of uh, learning as I go. All my mistakes have been public, if you want to put it that way. The first record I ever made uh, got signed, and I've carried on going. Since which then, was? Which was Open Your Eyes, which was on a record label called CR2.
0: Okay. Which huh. had a
1: little sample of uh, Penelope Cruz from Vanilla Sky. I, I love that really, record. Uh, I that, think the, uh, movie.
0: the first record that I heard from you was on records. Yeah. Um, that was the, a little while ago. The piano laughed, one. Uh, uh,
1: the Improvised Minor Tour, maybe?
0: Yeah, I think so. Maybe And that actually... Is. I don't know. Well, I never even got the parts, but at one point I think m- somebody maybe Matt or James wanted me to remake something. Ah, it just didn't good. happen. Oh, wow. that's 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 <laughs> ages ago now.
1: But yeah, I That's I really, a whole other podcast as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: But um so anyway, that's uh that's my first introduction to you. Um over the years you've done a, a variety of different things. Um sure. I, Would would you say like records was your main home for Yeah, that really.
1: I mean, I've been friends I've been friends with Matt forever. I met, I used to work for a record label and got Matt to remix a record for me and we became buddies and became friends. And, um, I kind of remember him, you know, saying he was going to set up the label. So I've known him forever mm-hmm. and we, you know, we're good friends.
0: And for so, listeners, this is uh, Matt Edwards, AKA radio yes, slave. Radio Gaga. He, he runs the label records. Yeah. Um, so
1: yeah, I kind of known, you know, I've known him for a while and, um, yeah, the first, you know, I did a few records for him. And just because we're, you know, just because we're friends, if I do something, I often pass it to him to get his opinion, see what he thinks. Um, and yeah, he's uh, he's signed quite a few of my records. So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a major home for me. And then recently with my own label, Work Them Records, yeah. I got to uh, return the favor and put out some records by him. So. Exactly.
0: That was kind of where I was going to go into next. Um, Work Them is your newest label. It's yes. kind of my only label. <laughs> well, yeah, your only label. It's kind of straddling the house and techno sure. uh, area, if you will. <laughs> so you got Radio Slave on there, Sven on Sven von yep. Dan Beaumont, Anetha, yourself. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, variety of remixers and stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean the the, the nice thing about the label is that it's like a, it's a very credible label and like with the releases and the remixers are all like contemporary and relevant. It's not just like um Half hearted remix ideas, no. or you're, you're not like going after the biggest name in the business to like help it sell the record. No. Some I of mean, these people are are quite new themselves, yeah, totally. You know, I mean,
1: I'm just trying to, to, I mean, for me, I'm trying to put out records that I would play. It's very, I mean, it's very simple. Uh, I called it Work Them Records because I wanted it to be for DJs that when they DJ, they work the records, they might uh, play the dub into the vocal, or they might play two copies. I always try and do things like DJ tools or bonus beats Mm -hmm. or, you know, do the original 12 and then a remix 12. I wanted it to be for those sorts of DJs. And I'm a little, you know, I get, I sometimes go record shopping and I hear, you know, a record that's four and a half minutes long. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, sometimes you, you see a 12 inch and it's got four tracks on one side or it's so distorted that it's almost Unplayable, That's or most it's just, underground shit <laughs> Or it's a really, mm. like, weak, half-assed disco loop. in you know, it's got a volume fade
0: intro. All these things that are just... I hate that. yeah, People still do that to this day. Like, <laughs> I know. I get it, uh, you know, decades ago, but in 2016, we should not have I volume know. fade-ins. I know. So fade it's out, a, it's fine, but <laughs> goddammit, man. I'm trying to mix.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to make it... I wanted to do something that was simple. I mean, it's, it's quite funny sometimes we are we're lucky and the records get reviewed you know by a magazine or an online thing and they say yeah you know what it's uh it's just it's it's just a dj tool and they they say it in a like disparaging way and i'm like that's exactly the idea behind the label yeah <laughs> it's exactly the idea is that it's it's just dj tools it's not trying to reinvent the wheel and i'm and it's not really one of those labels that's kind of crew based we've got you know there's some people on the label are really good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And there's other people that I've never met. I signed a guy uh, called Sinob Satoshi from Tokyo and I've never met the guy. He sent me a record. I really liked it. and I, And I put play. it out. And I kind of like this. I like the idea of doing that. And I like the idea of, you know, like you said, trying to go between house and techno. There's been some records that I've thought are more housey. Yeah, and I then mean, I've if, heard someone play it in Berghain and vice versa. You know, I've heard Ryan Elliott play some of
0: the records definitely. in Panoramavar. I mean, some of the records are full on techno. Yeah, Or totally. some are basically house. But more or less, you have this ability to, you know, there's a lot of DJs playing these records, like this, even like the Rod Hard remix. Would you sure. say that's the biggest hit so far? Or is yeah, there something I think so. Better? I mean,
1: it was, um, it was, you know, my girl, I was kind of a little bit of aware of, of Rod Hard. But my girlf- my uh, ex-girlfriend is a um, really huge techno fan and she she properly put me onto him and said, you should check this guy out, you should check this guy out, he's really amazing, I've heard him DJ. And she was aware of his production, so I have to give props to to Maya on this one yeah, for, for being that She's the unofficial A&R on the, yeah. te- on the techno side of things. There you go. So she, um, she made me properly aware of him and I was lucky that I reached out to him. At the um, right time. Yeah, at the right time. And yeah, that was probably I mean, I don't really look at I know it sounds crazy, but I don't really look at the sales uh too much. Sure, but I've kind of got a I've got a I I work with um another guy called Spencer, funny enough, who runs Prime distribution in London. And he kinda of convinced me to do the label. I never really wanted to do a record label because I was like, It's a little bit of a cliche, you know, DJ producer, I've got my own label and I was I was kind of, It's fun though. yeah, I've done A&R in the past for, for different record labels. And I think I'm, I don't think I'm good at that many things, but I think I'm quite good at that. So I just, I was like, oh, maybe it's a little bit of a cliche, you know, another DJ with a record label, who cares? But he really convinced me to do it. And he's been a big part of the success of it because he takes care of you know the the business end not the business end but you know the manufacturing and the mastering yeah the mastering's done by a guy called uh, a guy so called Wally, Wally. Yeah, yeah Wally and a guy called Shane it's like
0: some of the loudest cuts out there it's he's wild. phenomenal
1: there's an interview with Red Bull Music Academy with masters at work and they're asked who's their favorite people to master in the world. The top three, and one of them is is Wally. Nice. So it's Walter, Wally, and Shane. So I have to give a shout, shout out, out to them for the mastering. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, working with Spencer is is beautiful because he just takes care of everything. He gets it in the shops so I want it to be in around the world wherever that may be. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm 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 lucky to do. I'm lucky to have people like that to work with. We have a company called Dispersion doing the dj mail outs which is amazing because i get to you know they they manage to get it in the hands of the people that i want it that i want it to get into you know for me it's uh like going back to the thing about house and techno you know we get reactions sometimes on a more housey record and Surgeon will say he likes it or
0: sure, Truncate yeah. or someone that's or yourself, I mean, you know? Everybody... Well, yeah, if you're lucky, I'll play a record. <laughs> you never know. But, I mean, there, there's a lot of people that are playing these records. And yeah, that's a big deal for me, you know? You know, it's not like... Uh, okay, because some labels will have uh, one or two good records. Sure. Or, and then they'll have a run of, like, three or four shit ones. And like, <laughs> oh, they, they they managed to come up with a good one sure. once again. But you're pretty consistent with everything. Yeah, I'm and,
1: trying to be. I mean, I'm trying to work... I mean, I'm very lucky... I get sent a lot of demos, every demo that I get, I listen to every demo that I get, I reply to, to let the people know, even if it's a no, just a, a response mm-hmm. to let them know I've heard it. That's really important to me because... All three of them or what? <laughs> I, get, <laughs> I get sent a few, you'd be surprised. <laughs> like, um, but I reply to them because, you know, I've, I've, I still send records to labels that I admire. And I remember sending a lot more records to labels when I was younger and i just think you know what it's quite a nice thing to do it's nice to just send a response and you know we've i've been lucky that i've uh, i've signed some good records by talented people by great people uh, anetha from paris has just done a really great EP yeah for super me. promising yeah and that was again that was uh, a tip-off from maya
0: my my uh, good job the maya. french connection
1: the techno a&r scout She's great so
0: dj he, too yeah I, uh, I heard her once and it was really nice. Yeah, so. she's
1: really good. I've uh, I've heard
0: her once also, like,
1: I think, and she's um yeah, a really great DJ. So, and for me it's it's nice, you know, to work across the board to release a house record and a techno record. And with the remixes, it's for me it's a way to kind of incorporate people that I admire and that I like into the label because the way of the world now is if I wanted to sign an EP by Rod Had, for example. is pretty unlikely because he's got his own label, Dystopian. He's yep. got a close relationship with one or two other labels, like Token, for example. <laughs> yeah. So I'm never really going to be able to sign a Rod Had EP, which yeah. I completely understand. You know, I work closely with records. I don't really do that many records sure. for other labels apart from myself and records. So everyone has these um, has their own labels nowadays. And if so, for me, like if I'm going to get a remix. I, I probably won't sign an EP by Patrick by answer code request because he'll put it on his own label or Oscar Ton or yeah. MDR. So for me, the remixes, you know, so I see, I see some labels that I see some house labels that would maybe get a remix by a, a huge techno name, and they and you're like that makes no sense in my mind it makes no sense it just seems that they're trying to get some hype by approaching that big i've name. done those remix deals <laughs> doesn't really pan out <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but i just i mean I, I i think sometimes it's got to kind of be relevant and kind of make sense and that's what i've that's what i've tried to do with the label you know for me it kind of it makes uh well in my mind anyway for rod Rod had to do a remix for the label kind of makes sense Yeah, you know I mean, Henning Bayer to do a remix of on, on the label makes sense you, know,
0: you told me you have like well, I think Antigon coming up yeah, as well yeah Antigon's
1: like, just done a remix of the Anetha record which yeah. is really amazing and we put out an EP by The, the Outsiders which is Antigone and, uh, Bezad and Amaru yeah. from Paris. Another, no so Anetha right. knows Antigone and Bezad and Amaru and, you know, it kind very of, very close Paris connection. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of know, uh, you know, Patrick answered request a little bit. So I asked him for a mix. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to do it in a, you know, I, you know, maybe one day I'd like to get a remix from Surgeon that would, mm-hmm. you know, be a dream, but at the same time, I don't really know him personally. So
0: yeah. You know, I'm just trying to keep it
1: amongst the people I know that I think are relevant Tony you know? if you're feeling rather charitable <laughs> nah, no. yeah hello But um,
0: yeah I mean the, the thing is is like I get a lot of people actually I don't get a lot of people I think I got like three people <laughs> that message me and they're like listen I I really like the podcast because it's, it's opened up the world there's a lot of people like somebody wrote for me for example they're like I thought techno was just Richie Hotton and Chris Liebing and Dubfire and that, that ah. was it and he's like, I didn't realize that this whole other world existed beyond like Beepport or Ibiza right, or whatever. Right. Well, that's nice. Nothing against those guys at all that I mentioned. Mm. But like there is a lot going on and I think one of the labels right now that's rather consistent is work them and that's also because you have not only are you doing a good job with the A and R, but like I was saying, the remixes that you bring on board, they're people that are in their home cities, they ha- they happen to be like you know the bomb ass resident DJs of the moment, or yeah. it's it's like it's you got your finger on the pulse of it. So yeah, but
1: I think that's just I think it's kind of um, uh, for me. Yeah, I don't mean it in a an arrogant sort of way, but it's kind of um, natural. It should you know if you're a fan of something, then you you dig a little deeper and exactly. you're you're enthusiastic. You're enthused about things. If I go to um, you know, if I go to Paris and I play concrete and I hear Bizet and Amaru you know, I hear them play a great set. I'm like, Oh, that was really great. Oh, we've we got a record. Card. Oh, please send it to me. It'd be really good. And you stay in touch. It's, sure. it's like, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's like a natural, it's a natural thing to be enthusiastic. And, you know, I signed a young male, uh, to the record label because I went in hard wax. It was, it was kind of a funny story. He came to Berlin. I think he had, uh, like 20 copies or 30 copies of his first release on white material. And he dropped them in at hard wax. And, Obviously, I go shopping in Hardwax. So I bought one, and got in contact with him, and stayed in contact. And he ended up doing an EP for me, and we became friends. And he's done a remix for me, and I've done a remix uh, for White Material. So it's kind of it's nice, you know. You just reach out to people because you're a fan and you like their music, you know. So it's kind of you know it's nice that it all, it all kinds of comes comes together. But for me, it's just it's just natural, you know. I go record shopping. I hear a twelve by someone I've never heard of that I really like. Like I'm a big fan of those um, Amotic records. You know the those yeah, 12s? Amotic
0: Amotic yeah. whatever. There's sure. three of them now. Yeah, they're um, amazing. So I love all of them. Really good at first. Like when I when I initially listened to them, I I mean they're the thing is is they're not exactly like standout hits but every one of them are like you know what you could play this in between anything else and i love them keep, been... I, 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 yeah. I play them all i find myself at first i thought like okay i'm just gonna try them out but they're they records that i find myself playing every set yeah because, they're so clever they're so well made you know the thing is these days it's really easy i think dj tools has gotten a really bad uh, stigma attached to sure. it but the reality is and especially in house and techno uh, where it has not always been, like, solely a song format. Mm. That's kind of the backbone. That's the basis of it. You know what I'm talking about? I so- yeah,
1: I don't think it's... That's what I mean. It's quite funny sometimes when I, I see reviews. I mean, you can't take reviews to heart. Everyone's everyone's um entitled to their opinion. You know, of course, Um, you know, I don't take it to heart at all. But I find it kind of funny when someone says... It's basically a DJ tool. And like I said, it's like, yeah,
0: that's the, that's the whole that's the whole reason for my label. I like DJ that, tools. That's the same thing with my new record out March 15th, by the way. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, even in the promo, I'm like, I'm not going to hide it at all. This is just DJ tools. Yeah. It's it's a loop for five minutes with a, a ride symbol here and there. And I feel, I, judging from the feedback, people are playing that more than my yeah. things that I, like, cried over to make into a fucking sure. beautiful song and all that, you know? So yeah but
1: people i think that's the thing that's the thing with house music there's so many i mean obviously, obviously there's amazing records that are completely complicated and have got phenomenal melodies and stuff like that but i think you know i'm just trying to with the label i'm just trying to appeal to the whole idea of work them you know djs that work the records dancers on the dance floor that work when they're dancing you know that go crazy to records i'm just trying to put out records that DJs love to play and people love to dance to. There's not, um, you know, like, I, that's what I mean. There's no, uh, you know, there's no, like, four-minute songs. They're all made for DJs. Well, oh,
0: and the other part of it is is that it's party music. Yes, exactly. Um, it's, for,
1: it's music to be played in nightclubs,
0: not much more, not much no. less, you know? I mean, I think one of the things that uh, I've been kind of bitching about this a lot, Lately, not necessarily on the podcast, but in person or with friends, and that is... Just live. Just live, live, (laughs) you know, when I don't have to get quoted on there. Um, There's a severe lack of, uh, like, party music coming out. There's more parties than ever. They're bigger than ever. There's more money going around than ever. All that shit, like, it's really big. It's at the top of this bubble right now. Yet, when you listen to these records, it's a lot of, like, very, you know, dark, modular jams or whatever and that's fine but there's a certain party element that isn't there anymore it's almost fairly gothic i mean i'm partially responsible for sure. that given my output my label but um i mean at the end of the day like anybody who's listening whether you're a dj a producer uh whether you want to give it a bad rap or not for being shallow it's still a party and it's still party music yeah, and totally. like that that's what people want you don't have to do a whole set of very shallow shameless no, party of music not. but uh, but that's
1: what I try I mean that's what I try that's what I tried to do with the I did like an EP on records called Silly Club Songs.
0: Yeah, and the and, second one just came out, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I tried to, you know, number 1 it was a number 1 it was a joke because I called it No More Silly Club Songs and then Volume 1, which is just a stupid joke to begin with. Yeah. And then obviously it's a reference to No More Silly Love Songs by Paul McCartney. So the whole, you know, the whole idea behind it is just to kind of keep it quite fun. Yeah. And they're kind of like part, you know, in my mind, they're like party jams, they're party records. And, you know, they're not overly complicated. They've got like small melodies in them, Mm -hmm. but they're a little bit, you know, they're not overly complicated. They're kind of trying to go back to that sort of, I don't want to say rave, but that sort of just, you know, big daft club songs, (laughs) silly club songs. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I play those records. I make them for my own set. And everyone seems to like them,
0: you know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm getting at. Like, party music will always have a place. Uh, yeah, at like least in, in, in yeah, the genres totally. that we're discussing.
1: Like sometimes you hear, like you know, Sheddle put out a record. You're like, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it'll just be like great drums, you know, and a, a little break, and piano then and, and then a little and, piano break, and you're like, that's the best record I've heard in six months. It's so great. Yeah. I and love those sort of records.
0: Exactly. I mean, uh, so. Whoever is out there, uh it doesn't have to always be like this uh opus into the abyss <laughs> or like this dark uh step away from the drones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm I'm not hating on that stuff either. I'm just saying not every record has to be that way. <laughs> All right. Um let's see. I'm checking out my notes here. Brotherhood, what's that about? I saw you did a set at as Brotherhood. Is that just uh is that a project you're working on or
1: Yeah, it was just a little bit um you know, I got the opportunity to play there and I'm I'm lucky that I play there a little bit. So um, normally I play in Panorama Bar under my own name, but um, I I was lucky to get asked to play there and we thought we'd do it under a different name just to differentiate between the two things. Sure. Um, and I've got an EP coming out soon, just Spencer Parker Presents Brotherhood, which is more the the techno sort of side of things. But um, yeah, that's the name that I, I pretty much just use when I play there just to differentiate... Between playing upstairs in Panorama, but yeah, I played there. I think it's three times now, and um, yeah, obviously, huge fun to play that room anytime.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I, we've gone into it on in the show. Uh, it's 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 legendary. It's yeah. not, you know. There's so many other great parties on the planet. Sure, of course, but yeah, it, it's it's pretty special. Um, I mean, I
1: mean, I I played the main. I remember playing the main room of Ministry of Sound. A long, long, long time ago. And it it kind of reminds me of that a little bit, just because of the... I mean, Berkheim's a lot bigger, like uh, geographically, if you want to put it like that. When you actually look at the main room of Ministry of Sound, it's uh, so quite, it quite small. Smaller? Yeah, when you actually look at it with the lights on. But it was... When I played, it was a long, long time ago. Um, it was a little while after. I mean, I used to go there and see Harvey play. I was Har- just going to say, was resident. Like when he was a resident? Or was it was a little bit after, after that. But okay. it was... Um, but yeah, the reason I mention it is it's kind of... um it's like driving a spaceship, you know. To to play on a sound system that powerful, that crazy. I mean, I think the original Ministry sound system was like a room within a room. It was like a studio almost. Um, so that was, but playing in that room was pretty phenomenal. And kind's the same thing, you know. It's like uh, it's like driving a spaceship when you look out and you're DJing.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the the nice thing and like, I, you know. We go into that club so much on the show. I think people are probably sick of it. But I mean, <laughs> but it's a big part. When you of live in it, Berlin, you know. it's just it's a big part of Berlin and what we're talking about. But I think one of the things that makes it special about it is that it's, you know, because a lot of the I'm sure you're playing at you. Well, we're playing at similar clubs, and some of these uh, clubs they have like these stages that you're on that are like ten yeah. feet up, five feet up, something like that. And it's a little bit. It's like removed from the crowd, so you're playing at them rather than with them. Yeah, I find I and, always
1: get uh, sorry. I I always find oh, this a little bit. I
0: part of me dies when I show up. With <laughs> that. I'm not
1: gonna lie, but <laughs> I always find it sorry to cut you off, but I always find it um, kind of weird the thing with the stage. I under, I understand it that I've been I've been DJing for like a for a long time, and I'm lucky that I've been traveling for a long time, and that's kind of you know what like I said be- before earlier, like I'm learning produ- to produce and I'm learning as I go. But I've, I've been very lucky that I've I've worked in a record shop in London. I've been traveling like internationally for like a really long time, just on the strength of having a residency in London, working in a record shop, giving out tapes. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I remember like like before EasyJet, before Ryanair, before any low cost airlines, getting invited to play in Italy or getting invited to play in New sure. York. So I've been doing this for a long time and I've kind of seen it. I've kind of seen it progress to this stage, no pun intended, you know, where, where you're on a stage, they, someone might put you on a stage. And I kind of, I kind of understand it because I, rem- I remember DJing in Italy and the promoter contacting me and going, can you send us a photo? And I was like, I said, I don't understand what, what do you mean. I said, well, you need to send us a photo for the flyer. We're going to, because we're going to put your photo on the flyer. And I was like, what? I said, what do you mean? Why would you? That's a why- risky move putting <laughs> your face on the <laughs> Yeah, flyer. exactly. With my face, it definitely is. <laughs> but go is. on. <laughs> but I remember, you know, so I've kind of seen it go through all the motions. I remember going to like, you know, clubs and raves in England where you, the, the flyer would be like some kind of you know, dodgy image knocked up on a, on a PC. And then the lineup, you would never see a photo of the DJ. And then it got to the level where a few European clubs in like Italy or Spain, they'd say, okay, we need your photo for the flyer. And I always remember thinking why it doesn't really matter. Why, mm-hmm. why what do you mean? You just put my name, Spencer Park. And then after you might put like London or sure. the cross, which is a club I was resident in London. And then, and now it kind of progressed more and more, obviously with the internet Um, and all these different things and it's all kind of part and parcel of the same thing it began with let's put the the picture on the flyer and now it's uh yeah now it's a little you know we want to put you on a stage and I kind of understand because you know the the cult of the DJ the cult of personality is is what it is now in the in the modern age and I I don't want to hate on it totally because if the promoter has asked you to DJ and he's going to pay you and they want to put you on a stage. Okay. If you want me to do that, I'll do it. But I'm the same as you. I don't, I don't like it and I don't really feel comfortable. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't think it makes a a good party personally.
0: Sometimes you don't have a choice. Like some of these no, parties know, are I mean. so many people. You have to have a stage like that. Yeah. Um,
1: but I I walk into a lot of rooms and I see how it's laid out. The and
0: stage I, isn't necessary. No, that's, that's kinda, what I mean. Yeah.
1: And I just think it's, um, I just, I think I've got a theory that is if you book a DJ and you contact the DJ and you say you have two options, you can either be on the floor with the, with the people around you, or you can be on a stage. If you're a promoter, you can either be on the floor with the people or you can be on a stage. If the DJ says he wants to be on a stage, don't book him. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because that's because if, if a DJ wants to be on a stage, maybe they're not doing it for the right reasons, you know?
0: Sure. But they're doing it for the monetary reasons and the promoters like that too. We all need money, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what I was getting at, um, actually, I would say that the booth at Bergheim is is not my favorite booth. Once you get settled in and it's comfortable. But the thing that I do like about it is, A, it's kind of off to the side in the corner, for mm-hmm. those who haven't been there. B, um, the crowd can still kind of reach out and touch you, literally, whether that's a good thing or not. <laughs> I don't know. Most importantly is that it's only elevated, like, a foot or two or, let's yeah. say, a meter off the ground. So, not Maybe only not right that. out there with the people, but you can see just above their heads. and yeah, for yeah, me, true. But you're no higher either. Sure. And for me, that's what kind of makes that room so much easier to play because you have um, full control over the room when you can see it. There's some dance floors uh, yeah, here in can, town. You can see that, that whole room at a at, glance, yeah. Yeah, whereas if I if I play at some of these clubs, you see the – the 15 people that are immediately in front of you yeah. and you're connected with them and it's kind of fun, but you don't necessarily know what's going on behind them with the other 400 That's people true. or That's 200. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it can be a gift. Maybe it's a curse. Cause if you, you assume <laughs> if those 15 people are having a good time, everybody else is, but I think it's great. There's only 20 people in the club. <laughs> you get, well, you don't need to be telling people about what really happens at my gigs, <laughs> But, um, Yeah, so I mean, I I think, you know, I know there's promoters that are listening to the show because they write me. And uh, I guess for me and Spencer, just put it right above head level so you can see above the people. Yeah, because I think that's what it is.
1: I think that's what it is. I have a really... I have a little bit of a, of a problem with this thing of, of being on a stage. Like I said, you know, cry me a river, first world problems. I used to work in Marks and Spencer, so I'm not going to cry about being put on a stage and hmm. being given a little bit of money to play my favourite records, you know? So, but I have a, I have a little bit of a problem with the stage thing because... I, you know, I dance a lot when I DJ and I really have lots of fun when I DJ, but I'm the same doing that when I'm at home listening to my records. It's just a natural thing for me. So I'm not really one of, one of those people that, you know, puts on a show or dances or puts his hands in the air, like everyone go crazy, but I have a kind of, you do that when you're partying. Yeah. (laughs) But I think the the thing is, um, I think the whole thing of a, of a party in my mind and you you should kind of look at it as a party instead of a club. The whole thing of uh, of the party is it should it should be about us. It should be about everyone together. And this is the clubs that I like, you know, like uh, you know, like I you know, whenever I go to Concrete, I speak to the the toilet attendant is called Denny, <laughs> and I know this because I speak to the guy when I go there, you know, and in Panorama Bar. One of the, you know, I know my friend Raymond is the barman. I nobody loves Raymond. Everyone loves Raymond, of course. Yeah, the show resonates with the bartender, man. Exactly. Uh, Number one, Ray. Um, and also, you know, just talking about those clubs, but then Dance Tunnel in London, you know, you can go to Dance Tunnel. I know the, the people behind that as well. And I think the whole idea of a party should be that, you know, no one element of it is more important than the other. You know, the barman's no more important than the DJ. The DJ's no more important than the, uh, toilet attendant. The promoter is no more cheesy, but It's
0: a team effort, really. Yeah, but
1: you know what? It's it, you know, it's just the way I, I look at it. I don't. I. I don't. Honestly, everyone's there to do a job. Mm. I'm really lucky that I that the job that I do I love and adore, and I'm super lucky to do it. But the whole part, the whole in my mind, the whole idea should be, the party is about us. The party is about us together. I'm going, to, I'm going to play the records. Okay, I'm going to do the bar. Okay, I'm going to do the coats and the people come to dance. We're going to dance together. I'm going to dance with the people. And DJing for me is just an extension of being in my house, like, oh, oh, listen to this, fuck it. Like, check it out. This is what I bought. Like, you know, mm. We were just talking about records and I arrived. oh, what'd you get? Oh, I just got this from Hardback. Oh yeah, I like that. That's For me, that's what DJing is, is just like, check Definitely. this out. And I kind of, I get, um, I mean, you can't really say too much about, about it because sometimes like promoters might get upset or stuff. But when I'm on the, if, if I'm on a stage or in, I'm in a DJ booth, I kind of just want to be there on my own and just want to play the records on my own. And I don't mean that in a horrible way or an arrogant way, but I really dislike this thing where the people have paid the money to get in the normal people sure. and they're dancing. And then in the booth is 30 people and they're dancing behind the DJ like kind of facing the crowd. And I think it's a little bit it it in my mind it looks like a little bit cliquey and a little bit like us and them. Like does, we're, we're in the booth, we're the cool guys, and you're the guys that are on the dance floor. And that really I think I think it's unfair and it makes my skin crawl a little bit. You know, if you go and DJ then I'm gonna hang out in the booth and be with you and we yeah, have I a little mean, bit it, of it drink. goes so, both ways. Yeah you know, no but, but but I mean there's the difference between sure say me, you and kyle geiger and me and kyle geiger drinking some drinks and you're djing just yeah. having some fun as opposed to like 40 people and sure. all, and well, i just think it makes it a little bit like us and them and that makes me really uncomfortable should it just be us it should just be everyone
0: i agree you know? but have you i'm have you had it i've had it where uh you know, you're playing, and the booth is full whether you want it full or not. But it <laughs> yeah. happens to be, and you're rocking it. And then you're kind of in the zone, and then you turn around, and it's fucking empty. And you're like, <laughs> was I really that bad? And you're, you're sitting there like, man, am I, am I losing it? And then you realize, like, oh, the night manager came and kicked everybody out. But <laughs>
1: That's, good. That's good.
0: Keeps your ego in check. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, They've right? all, like, all gone. Oh, okay. I was hmm. cool
1: for a second.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what a nice 15 minutes. But – um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all of that, and I guess maybe that's because we kind of came from that era a bit. Like nowadays, Matt Edwards put it best. He said a lot of these things these days, they're not necessarily club nights. They're not raves. They're more like events. Yeah, that's and, true. And uh, I mean, for better or worse, the thing is, is like what we can look at it one way. Some of these kids or, or adults are still that night will be memorable for the rest of their lives for yeah, whatever sure. reason. So I guess it just kind of depends. Um,
1: yeah, maybe I just look at it. you know I look into it too deep or too personally. But I see.
0: You I think know, we're just we look, we come from a different background. Yeah, all, and it you know. should
1: be. I just think it should. Like I said, no no one element is more important than the other. I've been to I've been to clubs and lost my coat. It's not fun. I've ruined no. your night. I've been to clubs and queued for like half an hour to get a warm drink. I've ruined your night. You know, it's, every part's important. The bouncers. That you know everything's important. And I think the best clubs in the world the The best clubs in the world recognise that, and it's the you know you can also go into the photo policy, which is kind of pretty pretty much the same all over in Berlin. There's, you know obviously there's you know talk about Bergheim or Panorama Bar, but, but this there's, is universal. There's, yeah, I mean I play a club called Homeopathic, and that's the you know that's the same thing. Fo- you know photos are frowned upon. This and um that's just the culture here. Yeah, and I think but I think all the best clubs if you go to Dance Tunnel you know, concrete and
0: it's becoming and places, a thing and no. places
1: like, yeah, not just the photos, but just the whole thing of, you know, no people in the booth and, you know, I think it just, it makes for a naturally makes
0: for a better party. Sure. I agree. I mean, uh, you know, and uh, the other thing about some of these clubs that you mentioned, are, I just noticed that like some of the more, you need some more water. Club? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, we can, <laughs> I can edit this shit out. Uh, if you want to get some water, <laughs> No, I'm good. but, um, the thing is with these clubs that have uh let's say they're more they're on the more credible side or more like the A-list like the gigs that you're like oh yeah <laughs> when it shows up in the calendar you're like I'm going there finally. Yes. Um and then if you're lucky enough to return you'll notice that more or less the staff hasn't turned over that much yeah. True. because it's like a family and you know like there's some gigs where i show up and like these are the places i feel at home because it's the resident djs or the sure. staff And i'm like i'm gonna I've, uh, these are like uh, not only am i going to play a gig and get paid and all that but like these are friends that i'm gonna hang out with yeah and yeah you kind of hoping you can stay another day yeah totally and then there's the clubs that where it's a high turnover like every time you show up it's not necessarily a bad gig but it's like I don't know any of the staff compared to seven months ago when I was yeah, here. Yeah. That's not uh, It's not a good thing. It, it means that something's not working.
1: Yeah, I guess I think some people, I mean, I guess, you know, there's just different types of promoters and different types of clubs. You know, like what you said about maybe a little bit like what Matt, Radio Slave said, you know, it's getting more towards events. It's almost like um, – not a corporate event but it's like okay we hire the space it's a production okay, yeah it, that's a very good way of putting it it's a production and I think you know there's clubs in the world where you you know if you, you know there's certain clubs that you like it's always the same guy that picks you up you're like oh hey man how's everything yeah, oh, yeah. that's when I feel
0: comfortable how's your and kids and yeah. It's like, yeah
1: everything's cool good to see you like I said I mean I know the name of the toilet attendant in concrete you know because every time yeah. I go in, I see him I have a little chat with him I give him some records that's yeah. like
0: a, that's a really nice thing for me you know Definitely. I mean, these these are telltale signs. Like uh, the other day, we were with Anthony Parasoli. Yes. And he was he was saying, like, I can tell the minute I got off the plane and someone picks me up, like, how the gig's going to go. <laughs> yeah. And I I tend to agree. I mean, not always, but no. for the most part, like, the, the whole vibe of everything, you can kind of tell if you've been in this for a while how yeah. it's going to go off. And I guess what I'm getting at and trying to push on to the people listening here is that you really got to build something. It's got to have like this, call it a family vibe, call it whatever you want, but like, uh, you know, this congealed, uh, sort of, it's an entity. It's not just this like, uh, disposable turn over your staff, turn over the DJs. Like you got to build something. Sure. And, uh, and I
1: think that's, I mean, that's what all the best, all the best clubs seem to come out of that. The clubs that I can think of, uh, in my mind, um, you know, like say dance tunnel or concrete. Uh, I speak about concrete because I'm pretty good friends with those guys. It's a good, it's a good example, but before it was called concrete, it was called twisted and they booked, they booked some outside guests, but it wasn't like every week. uh, Marcel Detmer next week. It wasn't like huge, huge names. It started started off and those are always the best clubs. And that's kind of how it, how it used to be, there used to be that resident culture, whereas every week would be the resident, and maybe, and then maybe a guest every other week, or maybe a guest once a month, or stuff like that. And um and people used to go to it because they liked the resident and they liked the club exactly. and they liked how it was put on. And there's still there's still talk. clubs like that. I mean, there's still, you know, talking about Homopathic in Berlin. You know, Freddie K is one of the residents in the techno rooms. Phenomenal DJ. You know, Mr. Ties is the resident, really mm -hmm. great DJ also.
0: You know, Freddie's one of those guys like uh, they're going on about his closing set. Yeah, I was there for some of that. Everybody says it was like one of the most legendary sets in a while there. It was phenomenal. You were there? Yep,
1: I was there for quite a lot of it. I didn't stay right till the end. But I think it was one of the best sets I've ever seen in my life, period. Really? Yeah, definitely. And he he played across the board. I think he played Tainted Love at one point. Um, played like phenomenal techno records, but he's someone who's been DJing for a long time. He's got a very good uh, breadth of knowledge across different. You know, he's a techno DJ, but you know, understands other genres as well. And yeah, I think he played for twelve hours or something. You know, people people were telling me, was oh, next to this girl, she was crying on the dance <laughs> floor." They put the lights on, and they, no one would go. But you know, he's a phenomenal DJ. Someone that I'm always happy to go in here. Um, and he's resident in Homopathic. Homopathic never announces their lineups you know yeah. you have an you have an idea of who the residents are um there's another guy there called paolo who's got like long indian plats he's a phenomenal techno dj um akira hawks plays there who's who's an amazing dj also so i think um there's something to be said to uh building it from the ground up you know
0: definitely it's essential i mean you can't just come out of the gate booking spencer parker you're going to lose <laughs> your ass on it no. but uh i mean this promoter is going all right okay take right, him off the so, list now yeah. <laughs> we were going to book him but Zahn said scrap it
1: so this is like anti promotion
0: <laughs> sorry about that man i didn't want to be the downfall of your career but
1: <laughs> sorry i'll be the downfall of my career god damn it <laughs> leave it to me
0: but um yeah i mean i i think we've had a good talk about uh music and yes, bitching yes. about things we don't like. <laughs> um but let's let's kind of go down into more things about you specifically as a person. Mm-hmm. Like do you uh like for example, TV is or something you're kind of feeling at the moment or like that you want to let people in on?
1: I I'm, I've watched a couple of good TV shows. Um I watched this TV show called Love, which is on Netflix, which I really enjoyed. That's
0: a new one from Judd Apatow, yeah.
1: Yeah, which I really enjoyed. I thought that was great. I watched this Aziz Ansari. Uh,
0: that was done pretty well, too. Yeah, Master, Master, of, Master None. of None. I yeah. really
1: enjoyed that. I've just, started, <laughs> everyone's going to laugh, but I've just started watching Breaking Bad. I'm on season two of mm. Breaking Bad. A little bit late on that one. Yeah, but, I mean, it's worth doing. But you know what? A funny Don't way tell to put, me anything. Don't anyone message me on Facebook and tell me, please. Yeah. Let me watch it.
0: Let me have it. Tell them. Tell them. But uh, <laughs> the one one person put it into perspective perfectly right after the show ended. And they're like, if you haven't watched the show, put it this way. You could either sit through the series or with about 10 or 20 more hours, you could get certified to fly a plane. <laughs> and you're like, fuck, that's, that's a lot another, of time. That's
1: another way of putting it. That's another way of putting it. So, but, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of – film i studied media studies when i was um at university but it was a theory only course so it's basically just watching films and studying freudian and jungian theory so i go to the there's a really good cinema chain in berlin called the um york group which that, shows uh that's a Neukon, right yeah it's babylon and there's one in Neukon. so i go to the cinema quite a lot so i go and see i'm going saw hail caesar this week is it worth watching or not? Yeah, I thought it was free. Or is it a rental? I thought, mm,
0: maybe a rental. I mean, it's good. George Clooney ain't listening. Come on, throw it out to us. What's I up? I thought
1: it was good. I mean, he's in it a little bit. Um, Ray, Fien- Ray Fiennes is in it. He's really amazing. Um, it's good, but it's not It's, it's not, not off movie. the chain amazing. It's not a theater
0: movie, would you say? No,
1: maybe not. But I'm glad I saw it. I mean, I, I go to this cinema quite a lot. I'm quite happy to... You know, I can watch a film even if it didn't blow me away. I'm quite happy just to watch it and have the experience, you know.
0: I, I really like the movies, and it's kind of a thing. I mean, when I grew up going to the, the theater, there was nothing to do in my town. Um, movies were $2 to go to. Oh, and really? then when it climbed up to $4, everybody started flipping the fuck off. They're <laughs> like, $4 to see a movie, you know. It's outrageous. Oh man, I think that made me sound really old now and I'm not even old. <laughs> but anyway, uh so we would see everything. Like yeah, I'm embarrassed. We like we would go to like rom coms when we were like thirteen because we had <laughs> nothing to do in this town, you know?
1: But I watch everything. I watch you know, I watch um I went and saw, <laughs> I went and saw Magic Mike, XXL.
0: Yeah, I bet you did, Spencer. I bet you did. You know, we always like joke <laughs> about this guy, but uh, it's shit like this that just puts him, mix it, you know. Yeah, you Go, know. go on, Magic I go watch,
1: you know, I watch like Along a long Came Polly with Ben Stiller. and Jen- I like films like this, you know. The Breakout with Vince Vaughn. Yeah. I like these kind of rom-com. I watch, every, you know, I watch everything. Well, and, the- then I, and then the next film I want to see is called um, El Clan, which is this Argentinian film, I think. Oh, plan look, sounds yeah. like
0: a racist KKK thing. No, no, it's not. <laughs>
1: no, It looks it looks really good. The trailer's crazy. Check it check it out mm-hmm. on YouTube. But that's my that's next on my list. Okay. And then, but then I you know I saw the when I was in America last year I saw, um, what was the Edward Snowden film? Uh, uh I can't remember what it was, but the documentary by Laura Poitras about Edward Snowden, um, is phenomenal. It's like just such a crazy, crazy film.
0: Is he super into burritos or what? It's um,
1: it's just really. I'm not like a big conspiracy theory sort of guy, but if you watch that film, it's really um, yes, it's amazing what's going on, and he really, she's a really great documentary filmmaker, and um, the way that she's done the film. Makes everything very easy, like easy a, to explain, and uh,
0: I don't know how to pronounce his name, like Warner Herzog. Is yeah, that how I pronounce I, it? Or?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't really know his stuff so much. Okay, so I don't know, but yeah, that um, Citizen Four. That was what it was called. Okay, Check so I like out. everything. You know, I like uh, I like all different sort of films, but I go to the movies a lot. I'm I'm blessed not to have a not to have a normal job, so I, I'm on a Tuesday after, on a Tuesday well, afternoon.
0: I'm thing, I'm allowed to go to the cinema. The thing that I like about the movies is that it's Pretty hard to get into trouble there. Um, <laughs> well, you can have a
1: beer in Berlin. You're allowed to have
0: well, a beer. That, I was just going to say it's one of those places you can go to and not get wasted in Berlin. True. But you could. Well, there's um, no, at
1: least there's no shots. <laughs> exactly. That's, the, that's where the trouble lies. You know, the the shots. thing is in
0: Berlin, you can have like a group of four or five guys. Like, right, we're gonna be, we're gonna be civil tonight. We're gonna go have like a nice dinner. We're gonna be home by nine ten. It's cool. <laughs> and then it's four a.m. on a Tuesday, mind you, and you're out of cash you don't have money to get home in a taxi like what the fuck happened we went out for pizza so that's why sometimes when someone says let's go to a movie i'm like let's go i don't care deadpool i don't give a shit let's go see it and that's uh, what
1: i mean i go i watch all all, i enjoy seeing all different mm -hmm. types of films so even if even if i see a film that i'm not that didn't totally blow my mind then um you know i kind of don't look at it as a as a, 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 a bad thing yeah. you know i was just like okay i watched it It was pretty cool i'll go and see james bond i go and
0: see yeah. the last you know, one whatever. was terrible though i
1: didn't think it was that i'm not like a huge bond fan okay. I, I was never like crazy crazy into uh, it when i was younger i thought it was I, it is what it is you know it's one of those of
0: course just, but
1: you know maybe it's because i'm english it's kind of like a you know it's just daniel craig
0: being cool and doing sure crazy sort I, of stuff.
1: I like the one, what was the one with javier bardem Skyfall when he you know, was like a really campy. He was all
0: like he was campy, but it was <laughs> yeah, creepy. You yeah, know what totally. I'm uh, man, what a good actor. Yeah, but he's he, phenomenal. You brought up love earlier, and that was one of those like that was my Monday post-Bergheim closing. Uh I'm in a really feeble state. <laughs> I need a marathon
1: something show. <laughs> need to binge watch something.
0: It's not great, but it's interesting because I thought it
1: was really good. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was nice because it kind of deals. It deals a little.
0: Everybody's been there, I think. They yeah, it deals
1: but, a little bit with. The, there's not many times that you know. I think in the modern world, it's um, you know, it's sometimes uh, you know, for for certain people, it's difficult to stay on the straight and narrow, whether that's with like alcohol or drugs or whatever sort of addiction. And I don't think you, I don't think you very often see that dealt with yeah. in a TV show. And it wasn't dealt with like it was the main thing but the you know the little kind of uh sub uh subplot subplot of her sure. saying oh i've you know i've well, been sober f- for everybody but i've yeah, been yeah. sober for a year i thought that was kind of cool to like to broach that because well, you don't often see that subject broached in a in a tv series really
0: and the thing that kind of was a saving grace for me is that it kind of destroyed the nice guy trope like yeah. you know the the main guy in the show gus He's kind of like this nerdy nice guy and the whole nice guys finish last, which for the record, he's kind of this nerdy nice guy. But he hooks up with like the hottest chicks in the show. (laughs) Not very realistic, Judd Apatow. But anyway, (laughs) um, you know, he's kind of a dick. And they do a good job. at like, you know what? people can be a nice guy and they made deserve yeah, they can be some both. things. but like man there's some there's a dark side to them and like yeah that's what i mean it wasn't uh, it wasn't so
1: black and white like a lot of sitcoms or you know or and that, TV that's just are. it
0: there's a lot of people out there that are nice guys and it's like well i'm sure there's there's always a reason they're an asshole like yeah that's why people go through break not because they're an asshole but people <laughs> go through breakups and it's because they do have faults it's not just this person's perfect nobody's and perfect yeah that's what i liked about it but um yeah, enough about that. Let's get uh, let's get politically incorrect here. And uh, are, like, are you a racist or? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, I got going back towards the music here. Let's see. I got a question for you because you started. What time did? What age did you start going out roughly? I
1: started going out when I was like about, I don't know, like seventeen or eighteen. I started going okay. to like the obviously like the local mm-hmm. commercial club. You know, not, you know, like some people are like. What was your first club? Yeah, Body and Soul, uh, <laughs> Sound Factory, New York. Um, I used to go to the local uh, club in Croydon, which is called Blue Orchid. Shout out Croydon! Um, yeah, I just used to go to that, and that's what got me. In, that's what got me into into buying records. Is that there'd be amongst all the pop music and hip hop and R and B, there'd be like half an hour of house or hardcore, which might be like a you know David Morales remix of something, mm-hmm. or you know like
0: a of Madonna or some shit no
1: not even like that like a good David Raleigh's
0: record but there would just be
1: like a half an hour of you know that that. sort of record that sort of music or like a masters at work record and that was always the stuff that I liked and that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about like if, if you're a fan of something you're enthused about it you dig a little deeper so I you know I started you know buying the records to remind me of a good night out I wasn't, I had no real design to be a DJ. We
0: all have some of that nostalgia. Yeah. I
1: just, you know, I used to go out and I'd hear, you know, I started going to clubs in London, which are obviously a bit of, of a better quality going to places like ministry of sound and hearing Harvey or hearing David Morales or Louis Mm -hmm. Vega or someone like that, you know? And I just used to, if I heard a record that I liked, I'd kind of find out what the name of it was. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go to a record shop and buy that. And it would remind me of the night. And I, in the end, I just had, I was going out quite a lot because I love to go out and I heard I had like a hundred records and my friend had a party and I was like, I can do it. I can DJ. She's like, okay, cool. You know, she knew, knew that I had the records. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to mix. (laughs) But, you know, I had some drum and bass records. I had some house
0: records. Finding your way. And I played
1: and it kind of, uh, yeah, everyone everyone danced, you know. So then I kind of, and that kind of, I really enjoyed it. And then I bought decks and stuff like that. But I never, you know, I never had. Yeah. And then that was it. I never, but I never had a design of like, okay, I'm going to be a DJ. Let's buy the records. Let's buy the decks. It kind of just happened like that, you know.
0: So. I mean, I think you're approaching like, what, 26, 27 years old now? About that. That's yeah. the official around DJ age, there. isn't it? 28? Exactly. Somewhere in that range. 28 so, is
1: the perfect DJ age. It's like, I've been around a little while. Yeah. So I've got knowledge. But I'm also But I'm also money, pretty young. Yeah. So 28 is the perfect DJ oh, age. Man,
0: if I could be 28 <laughs> in Berlin again and single, I was here for that. It was awesome. I would love to redo it. Like, I was having this talk the other day with some friends. Um, they're like man, I'd love to be twenty one twenty two again fuck that because <laughs> well, I'm still an idiot, but I was an even bigger idiot back then, and I couldn't <laughs> yeah. manage my finances, but like I feel like yeah. twenty seven twenty eight like maybe you can't manage your finances, but you know you're not gonna die by that point like yeah. at twenty one you're like I, I I still don't know how I'm gonna get by <laughs> um so oh man, that'd be a beautiful thing, but anyway, so I mean obviously. You ended up in Berlin. Not because of the minimal boom. You just ended up on a friend's couch because <laughs> well, basically, love yeah. sucks. I it mean, hurts. But
1: yeah, I split up with I split up with my um ex girlfriend in a in quite a brutal way. Uh which was which was no kind of fault of my own. Which I think you'll uh which I think you'll uh, read between the lines and understand what happened. Mm, yeah. Um but yeah, I, I split up with my girlfriend and um you know, I had to move out of my flat in London and it was just getting to the point where the, the DJing was going well enough that it was, it was a better, it was a better use of my time to put all my energies into DJing and try and make a go of it than it was to, you know, do a shitty temp job from Monday to Friday, nine to five. You know, I could earn the same money if I had, you know, one or two gigs. And luckily I did have one or two more one or two gigs so yeah the reason i came to berlin is i you know i split up with my girlfriend i was pretty heartbroken to be honest and one of my best friends who's the aforementioned matt edwards radio slave said um you know save my life to be honest he was like you know come to my house stay with me stay on the couch you can stay as long as you need to you know it's all going to be cool. Don't worry. Yeah. Because I was a bit of a, I was a mess. As I guess anyone who's broken up with I someone. I showed up in Berlin you know, with no? the same situation. Yeah. So I feel you, you know? Yeah, you know, it happens to people. But um, yeah, he was a very good friend to me. Something I'm forever grateful for. Um, but yeah, that's how I ended up in Berlin. If, if he'd lived in Amsterdam or, you know, or Paris or Rome, I would have ended up in Rome you know there wasn't really a um you would have had better food that's for sure <laughs> is some you know it wasn't i mean there's absolutely i can completely understand if someone moves to berlin because they think it'll be good for their career it's a beautiful for some people it is it's yeah. a beautiful city there's you know everything that i like which is you know nightclubs and shops for nice clothes and going out and restaurants and you know it's a beautiful city to live in but yeah, it's, there was never that kind of cold calculated uh Okay, let's move to Berlin. Let's get the you know, just like most like most of the best things in life, you know, it just kinda happens.
0: Kind of pleasant surprises. Yeah, I mean it's been the best thing that's
1: yeah, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, you know. I'm I've been here about seven or eight years. I've got a nice little flat. Um I've made some friends, which um you know, I've got some friends that I love dearly that live here. So yeah, I'm you know, I'm super happy. But yeah, it was it wasn't really a career move. Yeah. I'm
0: not that intelligent. <laughs> so I guess what I was gonna ask you next is, obviously you, you were a youth in in the UK, and you went out and partied your ass off, blah blah blah. <laughs> As you get older, now you're, you know, you're you're DJing around the world. You get to go and you get paid to play at parties. You're in the arguably the party capital of the world, depending on what you're into. Sure. Uh, it's, I mean. I guess you could say in general life, but like, do you feel like things are getting better? Do you, do you feel more, are you more excited about going out now, given the fact that you're 10 minutes away from some of the best clubs in the world? Is it exciting or do you still kind of long for the good old days or?
1: No, I've never, I've never really been one of those people that's, you know, longed for the good old days. I think everything's, you know, in 10 years we'll be talking about this as the good old days. I think sure. there's a very, I think in Berlin for people that live in Berlin, um, maybe they'll agree. You know, I've been here. How long have you been here now?
0: I've been here for roughly five years. Yeah,
1: see, I think I've been here for about seven, seven or eight. I'm not sure. But when I moved here, there was people saying to me, "Ah, oh, you know, yeah, it's, it's over. over. Yeah, it yeah, used yeah. to be so much better, and it used to, you know, the old Trazor was better than the new Trezor. Oscott was so much better than Bergheim. But you know what? If you're well, whatever your age you are, but if you're a 20 year old now and you move to Berlin you're going to fucking go crazy. You're going to have the best time of your life. And I, if you're a 20 year old that comes here in five years time, you're going to go crazy and have the best time of your life. If you're a 40 year old, or 35 year old, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. But I think, um, I'm, I think that's when, you know, I think that's when you start dating yourself. I think the number one thing in, in our sort of industry is to, is to one way or another stay relevant. You know, and I think that's the most difficult thing. I've been doing this for quite a long time. I've seen a lot of people fall by the wayside that used to be the hype DJ, that used to be, you know, It's really super tough these popular. days. And staying relevant is the, is the number one thing. And I think if you have a, a natural passion and a natural enthusiasm, then you, you know, going back to like what we're talking about, the label, is some, um, you know, it's, it's natural for me to hear the new record by this person I've never heard of called Amotic. And then get in touch and say, "Oh man, I love this record." There's yeah. no, there's no real, you know. I'm not trying to sign a record from him. I'm not trying to uh, achieve anything. It's just a natural thing. To say, "Yo, man, I love that record." I'm a it's fan. Yeah. The, yeah, it's the same with Young Male. You know, I just contact him because I really love the record. Now he's a friend of mine. We work together. We do some records. But um, I think if you if you maintain that sort of, if you have that natural sort of enthusiasm and that positive outlook, then then I think, you know, now, now is the good time. I think, you know, it sounds a bit maybe uh, optimistic, but that's, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm fundamentally a massive fan of house and techno and disco. Yeah. You know, I can do three gigs in a weekend and then come back and go and listen to Mr. Ty's DJ in, in Homer paddock, you know, I don't need to go there and get utterly shit faced. I'll go there because that's my hobby. I'd love to hear people DJ. I love to yeah. dance to to music. That's what I love, you know. So for me it's um yeah, it's just it's my hobby and I'm I'm extremely fortunate to have t- for now to <laughs> touch wood. Yeah. To have um turned it turned it into my job. And I've done you know, I've done the shit jobs. I've done those I've done those jobs where you know you have to get up at like six in the morning you get up and it's pitch black and you come home and it's pitch black and you've got a boss that's an asshole i've done those jobs where you lay in bed on a sunday night with a knot in your stomach you Definitely. know so i'm i'm kind of uh i'm extremely lucky to do what i do and i i don't really forget that and i think once i think it's a bit of a slippery slope maybe to get on the ah, oh, i used to this used to be better and that used to be better you know it's everything it is what you make of it you know
0: Definitely. I mean, um, I have to say Carl O'Connor, Regis, put it best. Mm. I don't have the quote pulled up in front of me. I saved it somewhere because it's really well put. But um, it 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 was, well, there's a couple parts to it. There was about whether something's underground or not or mm. whether it's over. And he was basically like, it's all subjective. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, basically, when it comes down to it, uh, that is predetermined by what you've experienced. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, for example, I I know these kids that are going out to parties in Berlin right now. They're 23 years old. And yeah, I find them on Facebook and stuff, and they're talking all this shit, and there's drama all over the stuff, and I kind of <laughs> laugh at it. And they're like, uh, you know, some people will be like, this was the most amazing night I've ever had out, sure. which I would disagree with wholeheartedly. Then there was other people that are saying like this place or that place is over. I would disagree wholeheartedly. I'm sure. like, you don't know shit. You're 22. <laughs> but um, the the reality is, is they're the kids that are going through it now. Yeah, but and it's
1: over, you know, every, like you said, everything subjective is exactly. To them, it's, I mean, like to them, it was the best night. That's exactly. What's, so, that's like, what's nice about the scene. You know, if I
0: was to sit here and tell you club X Y Z is complete shit now, sure. There's still a new generation of kids that are like this is insane. This is mind blowing. Yeah, totally. So, you know what, just because you feel that way about something doesn't mean you're right.
1: No, not at all. It's completely, you know, it's completely subjective. I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, like I said, I'm a fan of, um, Danny Crivet and Joe Clausel and, uh, and, um, Francois Kevorkian. And, and I think there was an interview with Francois Kavorkian, and he was kind of saying, you know, it would, it it will never be like it was at the places like the paradise garage. You can't even imagine, you can't possibly imagine what it was like. And I, and I think to a certain extent, you know, maybe that was, maybe that was true because the resident DJ of the paradise garage was particularly phenomenal. And the sound system was particularly phenomenal, but it's all, you know, to someone, it is still happening. It's still constantly happening for the person that goes next week to, Maybe you know, Bergheim or dance tunnel or concrete or and then yeah. listen to, yeah. Or, you know, listens to, you know, whatever DJ they listen to that to them will be like phenomenal. And in 10 years, they'll be like, I remember when I was 20, yeah. I went to Bergheim. I don't want to talk about Bergheim all the time, but I'm just using it as an example because uh, it's quite, you know, it's a famous club here where we live, but um, it's just you- an easy example. Yeah. But- it's just an easy reference point, but you know, you can say that about, you know, lots of clubs in the world you know i would if you're you live in florence i went to 10 it was amazing i'd never seen lights like that music was in this way and the dancers are in this way and blah 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 it's i think it's um everyone has their own point of reference you know and i find it a little bit not insulting but you know everyone has their opinion i could have my opinion like fuck that. Yeah. i used to go to this place but, and it was phenomenal you wouldn't believe it the, the but long- everything's you know you can't you can't um shit on someone else's view you know and like you said it's all subjective everyone's exactly. going to have different opinions
0: i mean the long story short is Shit is going off right now. Whether you agree or not is a different story. Yeah, totally. But for, for the generation of now, it's obviously going off. Otherwise, there wouldn't be these parties happening. Sure. So I, I just like, you know, today I, I saw someone post on Facebook. They're like, oh, I get it. So the new techno trend is that 1994 trance is back in, <laughs> which it's funny because it's kind of true. Yeah. And I really like that stuff. But at the same time, I'm kind of like really another deep moody record. But I'm making that stuff right now, so I can't argue too much. <laughs> but the other part of it is, it's like okay. But the thing is, is the kids that are going right now are 22 years old, so they were born when those records came out. Yeah. Of course, that's going to seem exciting and new to them because they've never been exposed to that before. If you if you were going to parties in '94, you'd be like, "Not this again." Yeah. But yeah, this is a new generation. Like. uh I can't decide what the trend will be or whatever, but if if they're into that and it's the right yeah, feeling mean, for the right time, there's a lot, it. you
1: know, there's a lot of things that are cyclical, especially in music. There's a lot of things that are generational. I used to work in a record shop in Soho, and I always remember we used to get a lot of records in that were like on Henry Street or maybe yeah. Rob- Robbie Rivera when he first started. He was doing like a lot of cut up, filtered disco. Type records, and we used to have a uh, DJ used to come in a shop called Norman jay who's quite a legendary DJ in London. Um, and he used to come in with his brother Joey J. If you're listening in London, then I'm, I'm sure you're aware of those guys. um And he had like a phenomenal knowledge of like house and techno, but also of rare groove, disco, reggae. Sure. And I remember standing behind the counter and like flicking through a record for him, him and his brother, and they'd like look at each other and go, "Okay, yep." Okay, that's a sample of Karen Young Hot Shot, and then we put like another record on. He'd go, "Okay, that's a sample of DD Bridgewater." Okay, that's the you know, and they just named the sample straight away. And what was what I thought was really nice about them is that you know, for them, they could have been shitty and gone, "Well, all they've done is taken the yeah. DD uh, Bridgewater record, sampled it, and put a kick drum." That's fucking bullshit. The DD Bridgewater record is much much better, but they didn't. They were just like, "Oh, okay." And I th- I know, you know. It's going back to the same thing that you said about the 1994 trance thing. You know, there'll be DJs now that are of a certain age will go, "Oh fuck's sake! All it is is a, it's yeah, just that lovely. record again yeah. with a kick underneath." But then, you know, you can't diss someone because they didn't hear that the first time. To to them, yeah, this is not a, their a, a fault a that they weren't born yet. Yeah, it's not. You know, it's just a, it's someone else's perspective. You know, and I think things like that. I think you've just got to. You know you've got to be positive about these sort of things. You can have your own opinion, obviously everyone's entitled to their own opinion, mm-hmm. but it's very I think some people it's very easy to I think this, I think that and I'm right and you're wrong and I think that's what makes you know that's what makes you sound dated and that's what makes you irrelevant when you stop when you stop opening your eyes to what's going on I now, agree you know? completely
0: you know I was just when you were bringing up the samples and you could point out every sample <laughs> I don't know if you ever had this moment. But I know, like, because I had to learn the hard way, I didn't have necessarily a mentor that brought me up through the ranks of John and explaining where shit came yeah, from. Yeah. I just kind of learned from the internet and on my own. Um, but then there's a certain point when you realize, like, every awesome record, whether it's hip-hop or house or techno, is just sampled from a record from the <laughs> 70s or 80s. Yeah. And you're like... You got to be fucking kidding me. Or like a whole album, like Paul's Boutique is sure. obviously by the Beastie Boys. That's all samples. But like so many legendary house records. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. And then you got a real house Cats in front of you. He's like, please, man, that that really came from 91. <laughs> and this is some bullshit bootleg with a vocal on top. But and then you I feel mean, retarded. Like- <laughs> and, but I mean, like, you you think that, like... Uh, you know, let's say for the common listener, Daft Punk or Basement Jacks, like they invented that little guitar. Yeah, twang. yeah, yeah. Fuck no, that came from a record from the seventies. Well, you that's know? what
1: you know. <laughs> that's what they say: talent borrows and genius steals. Yeah, but exactly. that's still. I mean, but that's another reason why you can't be on that sort of. You can't um, look down on other people. You know, I've. I, it still happens to me now with certain you know house records that I've got at home. I've got you know a, a pretty good record collection. And there's still, there's still records that, that might come out, you know, that come out now that I might buy from Hardwax and I'll be like, oh, it's a sample of so-and-so, or I'll go digging somewhere in like Chicago and or New York, which I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to do every now and then. And I'll buy an old, I'll put on an old record on Prelude and go, oh my God, it's the same piano as that Shed record. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that's the thing—not that she, you know—not to put name but, out name out shed, but, but you know something someone similar, yeah, 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 you know someone. So you know it's kind of uh, you can never get too cocky because it will happen to you as well. You're like, yeah, <laughs> someone else will call you on it. So there
0: you go. Yeah, I've I've heard people sample me, and I'm just like,
1: well, that's good. That's a good compliment if, if you hear someone. Yeah, else I guess it is. You. They're
0: like, well, what are you gonna do about him? Like, obviously <laughs> nothing. It's out. What are they gonna yeah. do? Give me the twenty bucks that it makes or yeah. something? You well, know? I and
1: s- I mean. It's nice, to, you know. It's a compliment. It depends I'm, how you look like, at it.
0: Well, I, I, I just don't give a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> whatever. Anyway, as you can see, I've, I've finished my scotch off. The scotch is finished gone. off your water. I've also recently discovered that I have a little effects uh, and abame mixer that I've oh, been yeah? wanting to play <laughs> with. And uh, I got a piss really bad, so I think we're gonna wrap it up here. It's a wrap. Yeah. But so this is my, my effects, effects now. now. Hey, yeah, baby. I'm Dustin Zahn, what's going on? Peace out. Well, no, I want to. I want to plug something quick. Uh, do you have any new records or or uh, parties coming up that people um, should know about?
1: Yeah, I got a couple of things in um, uh, on the uh, the, I think the twelfth of uh, March. I'm in Bari, in Italy, for the first time. Are you putting the effects on me? <laughs>
0: yeah, baby. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, twelfth of March. I'm in Bari. The weekend after that, I'm in uh, Tel Aviv. The Breakfast Club, which is a really great club. Love it. Should definitely mention that. Um, the guys that put that together are probably exactly the sort of guys we're talking about. You know, yeah. I, together going a great there party. is like
0: hanging out with people. Yeah, lovely uh, friends, people. not people. You know.
1: So shout out to all. Shout out to Yotam. Yeah. Shout out to the guys Benny, there. All those guys. So. Yeah, Danny. All the boys. Can't forget Danny. Benny, the party starter. And, uh, yeah, so then I go to Tel Aviv and then, uh, I think, oh, sorry, no, next week I'm in Rotterdam. Then the week after that is Tel Aviv and then Bari. And then I'm at the pickle factory for the first time in London. I don't often play in London. Uh, so that would be a fun. Name.
0: Was it really a, uh, fuck, is this effects on I've got no Is it idea. really a, uh, pickle factory? I don't or know. I'll find out September. at the end of the month. And what was the last one?
1: So I'm playing, well, I'm playing the pickle factory with myself and Time and Dan Beaumont, um, uh, and then I go to Hinterhof in Basel, which I think is the closing of the whole venue. Okay. That's a really nice place. And that's myself, uh, and DVS one and Daniel Avery. Nice. So that should be cool. And then I play in, uh, Panorama bar on Easter Sunday. Uh, so yeah. So that's the next month. And then after a that, the
0: schedule for March.
1: Yeah. And then I think after that, I'm, in April, I'm going to concrete, going to Columbia. I've never been to South America. So I'm super it's excited. Wild. Yeah, I'm very excited. I've never been. So for me, you know, I could never afford when I was young. I was at university. I couldn't really afford to, to travel. Well, so. let
0: me tell you, when you were younger, you wouldn't want to be in South America. <laughs> <laughs> now it's cool, but not during the Escobar times.
1: Well, I'm, you know, for me, it's like a, that's the, the blessing of my job, you know, to get to travel. So I'm super sure. excited about that. And then with records, the, at the moment, the, uh, I did a record for Records. Called City Club Song Five and Six, which is out now. Uh, myself, Radio Slave, and Mr. Ties have made a record under the name BADS, the Berlin Amateur Dramatic Society. Um <laughs> Drama. So I did a remix of that, which is out on records in a couple months. Um there'll be an EP under the name Spencer Parker Presents Brotherhood which is a bit more techno Is that
0: on records or on I'm your own? I'm not
1: sure what that's coming on at the moment. I'm trying to trying to arrange that at the moment. Good luck getting that signed. Exactly. <laughs> You've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, the, the joy of having my own label, I'll sign right. it myself. <laughs> and then, um, so that's going to come out at some point. And then I've remixed um, Shit Robot and Nancy Wang for okay. DFA out of New York. So that's a pretty legendary label. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, it's an honor to put something out on that label. And it's a really great record by Shit Robot. Nancy Wang, I adore her voice. So it was really nice to get a chance to work with a, a great vocal. So that's out, uh, I think, in April. So shout out to Tiddlers for arranging that.
0: Excellent. So you got a lot of records coming up. Really good gig schedule. Um, yeah, so far, so good. Yeah, I hope if, uh, if you're a Spencer Parker fan, uh, you enjoyed it. If you didn't know who he was, maybe you'll check out his music or go see him play. If you're a promoter, why the hell not book him? He seems like a decent guy, not really a gigantic dick. I think he'll come for like fifty bucks and a drink or two. That's a good
1: sell. If you're a
0: promoter, why not book him? Yeah, why Why not not? book him? I mean, he's he's been at a couple clubs. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. Uh, All right, man. Thanks for coming by. Thank you, sir.